Uh, starting recording button. Yep. All right. Well, here we go, my friend. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 1v1 with Boss Rush Games. I'm your host, Celeste Roberts. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Block of Blocks Gaming Reviews, a gaming YouTuber with role-playing game reviews, a trash or treasure series, and a lot more. Good evening, Block. Well, thank you, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I've we've been Twitter friends for a little while now. I'm not sure how we crossed paths. Do you? I, I I don't. I don't. It's been probably at least a year, if not mm -hmm. year and a half or so. I, I haven't had my Twitter too long, but uh, going on three years since I've had it. Up, but you know, I appreciate it, uh, and I'm glad that our paths did cross. I've met a lot of wonderful people through there that I, I don't think I would have ever been able to meet otherwise. So it's, it's been a, a great um, excursion on social media. I'm so glad because uh, social media, I, I don't know how much you use it outside of Twitter. Um, I, So I never had a Twitter before setting up my, my channel page, but I, I used Facebook a lot. Um, mostly because all of my college friends, that's where they were, mm -hmm. um, and some uh, family members and such. But, you know, it, it, social media of 10 years ago is, is certainly is a certainly uh, different than, uh, than what it is today. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's interesting. I don't use it nearly as much privately as I do um, uh, showing off my channel and uh, promoting and things like that. So, yeah. I'm glad we could, uh, well, I don't know if anybody knows, but um, Block has joined the Boss Rush Network. We share his videos and he has a little spot on our website. And a few months ago, I reached out to him to ask if he wanted to be a guest on the Boss Rush podcast one mm -hmm. Saturday. And he sure did join us. I did. It was a it was a surprise because that was the first time I think anyone had well second time anyone had really reached out to me to say hey appreciate what you're doing why don't you share what you're doing with us you know I had one uh, indie developer um, ask me to do their game um, once but then this was the second time to kind of be invited into the community and it, it, it's it's humbling. It shows, you know, that the, the hard work pays off, that you get recognized, and, and any chance that I get to share my passion and communicate with other people that have the same interest is, is wonderful. Oh, I, yeah, because the world can be a pretty dark and very divided place so i think it's really important to remember that there are good kind caring people you can share jokes with and mm -hmm. talk about video games talk about whatever makes you happy oh yeah certainly the past couple of years has been extremely tough um not just 2020 but um 
you know this is this is this is one of the the bright sides of life and uh, i love it i love it well why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself block like what are some of your hobbies your interests anything you'd like to share sure um so of course i play a lot of games i've been playing games all my life and uh with that has come a interest in uh, creativity, I think. Um, I think it started with games. Um, when I was young, I was drawing out um, like little Mario levels or so, you know, on graph paper and, um, and drawing game characters for, for things that I wanted to make. And that evolved into a little bit of of drawing and painting and art excuse me and uh doing fiction writing you know i would come up with and i think it was my love of rpgs um growing up that you know i was, I was writing my own stories and scenarios and of course they were very basic you know being elementary middle school but but you know that's what i was really i wasn't going outside much um i was allergic to almost everything outside grass cats you name it so i was inside um just being creative and, and that continues today you know I, i've it's been a little while um uh, since i've done any any kind of writing like that because i'm doing so much writing for my channel and for the website and and things like that uh, but it's still something that I think 24 seven, you know, you don't turn it off that you're coming up with some ideas You're you're making connections with stories that you're you're working on, even if it's up in your head, you know, my gears are always going. So I'm keeping notes and one day I hope to get back into that um, much more full time. Um, uh, but right now, you know, it's it's playing games. Um, Writing reviews, I think that helps with the um, keeps the uh, the grease on the creative gears and, and doing the videos, um, and then yeah, just enjoying life that way. You yes, that you are a prolific writer for the Boss Rush website. Well, I I, I try to be humble about it, uh, but everyone tells me that, so I I, I appreciate it. You know, I've something that that comes easily to me i've done like i said pretty much my entire life of, of writing of some sort um and so if it's and i wrote for a, a newspaper when i was in high school um so if it's a news headline and a small news uh, blurb i can put that out there if it's a review i can put that out there you know um it, it's something that you know with writing it you can be very versatile with it um you know you can tell stories you can tell the news you can tell jokes you can you know you can do a whole lot of things with it so that's that's why i love it i'm glad that you can contribute that because writing is it, it, people either love it or hate it i, I feel like there's no in between I've, I've heard both sides you know some yeah people hate it and some people adore it you know i feel like if you could if you enjoy telling stories of any sort, then, then you can learn to love writing. You might not be great at, at grammar. You might not be great at spelling. 
Um, you know, you might not use complicated, complex words. And that's okay. You know, if you can tell a story of any kind, I think you can get into writing because, you know, a news story is a story. You know, if it's if it's true, if it's fiction, if it's an opinion, you're communicating. Um, and and I, I think, yeah, I think you can really get into it if you look at it that way and not look at it as like, oh, these words are hard. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I before E and, you know, I need a period here, an apostrophe here. and a com- No, that, that stuff comes with time. It comes with practice. And, um, you know, I say if you if you like stories, give writing a chance. Give it a shot. Now, is there a story that you've started on your own, like a, a fictional story that you'd like to see published one day? Is that an endeavor of yours? Yeah, I have a... I have... <laughs> I don't want to say I have several, but I have I have a lot of stories that I've worked on, either short stories or um, epics or or whatever. I did a lot of fan fiction writing, um, and in high school, and uh, some of that got uh, got notoriety in some circles. Um, yeah, yeah, um, and so. You know, that kind of stuff has really helped me uh, try to build my own worlds. Um, you know, the things that I really like to do uh, would be fantasy stories, you know, like Lord of the Rings or something, where I can create my own worlds. And, you know, as a, as a uh, social historian, um, I really love looking at, at culture and society and uh and then putting transplanting that into a fictional world you know and coming up with own religions and own cuisines and own cultures mm-hmm. no I, I really love doing that but um other things that i really like to do are like coming of age stories um that take place in a more um you know, natural, realistic world. You know, there's still fiction, but, you know, there's no elves or anything like that. But you can still tell some really fantastic, relatable stories that way of, of just adolescents trying to figure out their, their place in the world. It's something that we all have gone through, I think. You know, those those tumultuous times as a teenager and as an adolescent and and i think uh that kind of literature is is really impactful um and not just for for teens but for all ages um and then lastly and and it's been a while um but i really love horror um and writing um scary stories you know a lot of that comes with with culture um looking at um, ghost stories and the history of ghost stories and why we tell ghost stories uh, and things like that. You know, it's a lot of it is culture um, personified in, in, in a horror story form. And so coming up with those type of, of, of tales uh, was something that, you know, I've always really enjoyed doing. It's been a little while since I've dabbled into that, but you know, that's something I don't think is ever going to, to leave me. 
So. Do you know, do you have any favorite authors or books from those genres that you mentioned? You know, um, yes and no. Um, I don't do as much reading now as, as I should. You know, when you've gone through, uh, uh, like, six, seven years of college, reading becomes a little bit different than, than uh, something to do for pleasure for a lot of people. And for me, unfortunately, that, that kind of happened. Um, I grew up uh, reading Stephen King much earlier than I should have probably started reading Stephen King. Um you know, I was I was more familiar with Stephen King before I started reading Goosebumps, uh, which is saying something. Um, wow, you took the advanced course. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know, and I'm not I'm not saying that to to humble brag or anything because I, I don't think I I got the the nuances of it certainly at that time. But but it was it, his stories were fascinating um, because there was always almost always a mix of fantasy with horror with you know great dialogue and things like that um but the goosebumps is is another one that you know i I had a huge collection growing up and it's still something that that i I think about and i've reread um more recently um right now um i'm in the middle of reading the witcher books um my wife is as well um she's further along than than i am so the the funny thing is uh you know i've played those games since the very first one came out and then it got really popular Mm -hmm. and the the netflix 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 series came out and she she loved it and so she started reading the books and then she surpassed me. So now if I say something, she'll be like, ah, but, but, and she'll correct me on something that I've been a fan of for years. So that's hilarious. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, um, the tables have turned. Uh, um, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, I think is, is another one that's really been impactful. I think it has been for, for most people, um, you know, that's one of those coming-of-age stories that I like to tell. You know, it, a lot of people focus on the trial and the uh, message concerning racism and, and, and things like that uh, in, in the story. But it's just as much about growing up, um, uh, growing up in the South. And, you know, I, I think that's just... You know, those kind of stories really resonate res- resonate with me, and um, they're really important. I think that's why they are um, as cherished as they are. Um, that and um, uh, Catcher in the Rye is another one that I really like. Um, so, yeah, yeah, hopefully that, that gives you a nice sampling. Um, Mario Puzo as well. I love my uh, mafia stories, and... Uh, uh, he wrote The Godfather and, and a few others. Um, and uh, yeah, the, my love for the movie trans- goes into the book as well. So is, is the book, or I should say, is the movie a pretty faithful adaptation? Yeah, it, it's one of those movies. Um, 
I think it, almost everyone has watched The Godfather. If you haven't watched The Godfather, go watch The Godfather. I haven't watched it. Go, go watch it. Go watch it. It's incredible. Is there I a reason to... why it's it's always one of the best movies ever? Um, the the book came out before the movie, um, and it adds a little bit of background that they don't add until the second movie. Um, but the second movie came out before there was a second book. Um, and I don't think Mario Puzo actually wrote the book for... He wrote the script, um, but I think he, there was like a ghostwriter or something that wrote The Godfather 2. And then um, there's a few newer books. I think they came out in the early 2000s that were not from Mario Puzo. They were kind of fan fiction type of writings. Um, and it's, a, it's a wonderful story that, um, you know, it's kind of a romance novel in a mafia setting. And when I say romance, you know, I don't mean so much as like boy meets girl and falls in love, but, um, you know, those those complex novels like Victor Hugo or something mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know, romance is a part of it, but there's all of these other layers to it. And it just so happens to be set in a mafia family. Um, so you can you can love the mafia and 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 read and watch it or not know much about it. And it's a great introduction um, to that kind of that genre that has dominated cinema um, in particular for for decades, if not, you know, almost a century. Um, uh, along with that is um, uh, Goodfellas. Um, and both the movie Goodfellas, um, which is my favorite movie ever, but also um, Wise Guys, which is the book version um, by Nicholas Pileggi. Um, I think that's his name. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Have that's okay. Well, you're bringing up, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, but I recently interviewed one of my very good friends for a 1v1. His name is Dexter Babin, and he's a, in his spare time, like one of his hobbies is studying mafia and organized yeah. crime. He, you guys would be really good friends. <laughs> he's really, <laughs> he's a sweetheart, and um, it's just fascinating. He researches that as well for his master's degree, which you had said you were in school for a little while. Would you like to talk about your major and your experiences? There? Sure. I, uh, at first I was going into like an English degree and that lasted less than a semester. What happened? Well, <laughs> Not I just, nothing, nothing bad. I, one, I wasn't able to get into any English classes my first semester. So it was loaded with other like electives and stuff that I wasn't particularly interested in. But my second interest was in history. Mm -hmm. And I quickly found that history would be oh, just a, a wonderful way of marrying those two worlds of of research and writing and literature and culture and and history. Um, and so I went into history. I got my bachelor's in history. Um, 
and I minored in uh, film studies. And then I went and got a, a master's degree in history as well. And, um, and I was teaching um, introductory um, history courses as well as a pop culture history class. Um, and so I got to go into, you know, comics and video games and movies and, you know, really popular works uh, of fiction like Tarzan um, and, and things like that that really, um, you know, had a major impact on American culture. So it was American pop culture um, is, is really uh, probably my, my specialty. Um, and so, you know, I was teaching Star Wars mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Superman and Batman and you know, how Superman relates to American immigration and Batman relates to the Great Depression and, you know, X-Men to the Civil Rights Movement and, and things like that. And so um, I had the most fun with that, not just because it was my, um, what I was teaching, but that I could, it was a great way of getting students who might not have been fully interested in history and learning um, to be really engaged. And so that's something that I've continued to try to share in my videos. Um, you know, I always try to add a little bit of history and context um, there um, so that if you don't, if you're not a gamer, if you don't play many games, you have no idea what I'm talking about when I'm saying like MMORPG or, or something like that, FPS. You can sit down, you can watch it, and hopefully by the end of a video, you can go, okay, I know why he did this video. Not just because it's a popular game or something like that, but I try to pick things that have a... Um, that have relevance, have something to say, you know. And so I, that's something I learned in school. Um, and it's something I've, I've, that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned is trying to find, uh, trying to incorporate that in what I do. I love that. And I think it helps the, the message resonate a lot more with people. And I love that you talked about the different comic book characters and how they relate to things that have happened in American history, those parallels. It's, mm -hmm. it's very clever I, because some people d dismiss graphic novels and comics and video games, but they're, they're just as important as normal books and the they are. art that we see hanging in museums. They, they are, and, you know, one thing that I really wanted to do, and I don't think it'll ever happen, um, but it might, who knows. I'm, I'm not writing it off, but one thing I really wanted to do um, at one point was doing a video game museum and, and, and trying to do that. There's a lot of way, reasons why that didn't happen. Um, one being I don't have the biggest collection in the world. <laughs> you kind of need that um, or, or something equivalent. Um, but 
through my channel and through reviews and what you know everything that I'm doing, I'm trying to hopefully um, do my part to have video games recognized as you know a legitimate. But it's not; they're, they're not games. They're not you know toys that kids do. It's not something that you know basement dwellers and that those kind of stereotypes do. You know, video games have surpassed Hollywood and the money made. Um, year after year, it's been that way for quite a while, and you know, it, it doesn't shock me that like PlayStation Five is outselling the PlayStation Four right now. Not just because of scalpers, but because every single year there's more people playing games, um, and more people are discovering, you know, the joy of gaming and and things like that. So. You know, it, it's not surprising, and, it, and it's only going to keep getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, until, uh, you know, until more people recognize that, you know, Final Fantasy VII has a great story, and it's not just a game with, you know, colorful graphics. You know, that it can, through a video game, tell a story that is moving that can impact you, that can have resonance, and, you know, they can make you cry, they can make you laugh, they can make you angry, um, and they can teach you something. And, you know, it's not isolated to RPGs, and, and you know, they have relevance. They're important, and, um, you know, I try to, to showcase that. Now, how long have you been playing video games? When I was born, um, they brought me home along with the family NES. They did not. They bought an NES while I was being born. And um, so the joke was kind of I was born with, with an NES. In my head. <laughs> um, I don't know exactly when, but I remember distinctly um, because my mom would mention this all the time because um, they were shocked um, that I had beaten the first Super Mario Brothers game um, when I was three years old. And, of course, I don't remember that, but I remember playing that game extensively and and being quite obsessed with it. We also had an Atari. Um, uh, we had two Ataris, a 2600 and a 7200 in the house and i grew up playing those as well and really coming to appreciate very early um you know how video games had evolved even at that time um in the the late 80s and um you know and i've been playing ever since you know i can I remember getting a Super Nintendo not long after that and a Sega Genesis and kept going on from there, you know, and I grew up pretty poor. Um, so it was it was a difficult hobby to have as a as a poor person, excuse me. And um, so it took me a long time to amass the the amount of games that I do now um 
you know, I didn't get to experience a whole, whole lot um, growing up, but it was, they were precious, uh, precious um, experiences for me, you know, and it's something that uh, I, it's just always has interested me. Now, since then, what have become some of your favorite types of games and what are some of your favorite titles? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm one to never be like I have this one favorite anything because I think, um, you know, there, there's favorite things for certain genres and types and moods and things like that. Um, the first game to really really resonate with me and this is a popular one and uh, i think it's one of yours too is a link to the past yes just because and I, I was playing the first zelda before that but i was just kind of poking around i didn't know quite what to do um i wasn't um i wasn't at the point where i could um solve those kind of puzzles that the first Zelda had, because it can be difficult now. Um, you know, and it's very different than than guiding Mario on, on platforming. Um, but Link to the Past had about everything that a gamer could want. You know, a good story, a great presentation, wonderful graphics. You know, you had a, a, a pretty complex battle system for the time you know where you could hold a sword out you can spin the sword you can block with a shield um and then i think the puzzles where the technology had gotten to where the puzzles could be more realistic and still challenging and so that was one of the first games that i remember really sitting down and and fighting my way through it and solving things and you know of course this was before the internet so there were times i was stuck for a long time and asking my friends you know what do i do here and oh you have to use the moon crystal to go into this world and I was like, oh okay and it's one of the first games that i can remember getting all the way through and completing and, and feeling wonderful with myself um uh, ocarina of time is another one that that was just very special to me it, for the same reasons um you know it felt like another just jump um in technology and experience and storytelling um chrono trigger on super nintendo um i promise i'll get out of rpgs here <laughs> um Chrono Trigger, you know, was, was just a fantastic world to be in. And, um, you know, the music especially was just, it, it captivated me, and it still does. It's a soundtrack that I think everyone needs to just go listen to and, and listen to it um, in its entirety. Um, it really transports you into another world. Um, and then... Uh, this will hopefully be the last RPG. Um, and it's not everyone's favorite. I'm going. I'll. I recognize that. I'm okay with it. But Final Fantasy VIII is most people's least favorite Final Fantasy. But I love it. It came out at a time that really, really 
was important to me. I, you know, I was becoming a teenager. I was a bit angsty. I was, you know, feeling my way out in the world, you know, feeling like I didn't have many friends, that I didn't have many opportunities. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, it, struggling with the same thing that every teenager does, you know, with like finding a girlfriend and having a, a group of friends and depression and, you know, all of this stuff. And then this game comes out with a character that is going through those same kinds of things. And for a lot of people, they look at the main character Squall as someone who's whiny and doesn't care about people. And I don't see that at all. You know, I see just someone who's who's thrust into a situation that, you know, kind of like teenagers, they're thrust into a world that they really don't want to be in. They don't want to be in school. They don't want to, you know, they, they you know, there's a lot of angst, I think, in, in a lot of teens. And the story is more about, you know, him finding a reason to live, a reason to fight, a reason to, you know, care about himself and learning that other people do love him as well. And, and I think that that's what really hit me. You know, it really, it, it changed my life um, because it made me think, you know, that I am important, that I do have worth and value. Um, there's other things that are wrong with the game. Um, but it was something that the story was so moving to me that I learned not just to to accept the 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 failures of some systems in the game, but you know understand why they are that way, and it's made it a much more enjoyable experience. Um, you know, each time I play it. You know, I'm learning something new. And so it's something that I would really recommend for people to go back if, if they have played it um, and didn't like it. To go back and try to look at it with a different lens. Um, and that's not going to work for everybody. Um, but, you know, I, I, it was that important for me. Um, real quick, other games that were are really important to me. Um, Silent Hill. One and two, um, you know, that my love of horror really was like, wow, this is, it was the first time I really felt, especially in gaming, but maybe in general, the psychological horror. You know, it's not just the monsters that we see, it's monsters in our, in our minds and in our heads and hearts and things like that. Mm -hmm. and so that really was just, wow. Um was really great and so that that there was a lot of fan fiction writing on on silent hill and um you know growing up resident evil was it was a big one for me um there was a point in time where it was probably in between um four and seven you know five and six were really like okay i don't know what they're doing here and i really fell out like it, it, was, it was like the same thing with with Final Fantasy. You know, after after like ten, it was really like uh, okay, <laughs> you know. But um, 
you know, now I'm kind of back on board, especially with Resident Evil and seeing how eight is shaping up. Um, and then simulation games are incredible. Um, they're a great way to just escape. Um, so civilization is, is a perfect blend of strategy and history and world building and, and simulations and, and all of that stuff. Um, Roller Coaster Tycoon, The Sims, SimCity. I love those type of games as well. Hopefully that's enough for you. I could go on and on. Oh, I've, I teared up about Final Fantasy VIII. I've never played... Come, come at me, everybody. I've never played a Final Fantasy game before. But I remember... This is something not everybody's going to know, mm. but I remember in the Boss Rush Games group chat on Twitter, you had given a very poignant story about Final Fantasy VIII. So... It's just so moving how, I don't know, I love, I love hearing how things touch people so, yeah, yeah. so passionately, it's, so deeply. It's, it's, you know, for a lot of people, I think it was other Final Fantasies that did that. Six and seven had a, a really big impact on people um, that way, um, you know, and I think nine is, is probably... Uh, the best of those classic form of, of Final Fantasy games. Um, but 8 just always stands out to me. To me. Um, so a small plug here. Um, and I know you haven't played Final Fantasy games. We have talked about that. But I am in the process of hopefully releasing next year um, a video series on the entire Final Fantasy series. Um, up to 16. 16 will be coming out, hopefully by then. Um, and it'll be, they'll be in parts. Um, I don't think I'll get all 16 out in one year, because um, I'll be doing other videos. I'm not going to drop everything, but I have a few done now, um, and I'm hoping at least one through six will be um, out and enjoyed um, by the end of next year. And then going on from there um, and looking at everything from the history of those games releasing and analyzing the plot and the changes and evolution in those games. You know, one had this, but two added on to it by doing this and three added on to one and two by doing this and four, you know, and so on. Um, and, you know, looking at the villains, looking at, at you know, cultural references and... Um, the dozens and dozens of ports of many of these games, you know, uh, because one thing that I ran into, excuse me, I'm drinking soda, so it's making me burp a lot. <laughs> That's um, okay. That's what happened. Well, at least I'm not blowing it into the microphone. <laughs> um, but the uh, one thing that I was running into when I wanted to go back and replay some of these old Final Fantasies was look at, like, what is the best version? today because you know the first final fantasy it's on you know came out originally on nes famicom um but you know you can play it on your phone now and on pc and i think it's on switch and playstation one and there's just so many different versions and so going through that in the videos as well you know if you want the complete experience play this version if you want the original experience 
play this one. And there's some that, you know, the original, like with Final Fantasy 2, playing the original one, don't do it. Just, just don't, don't do it. Do it. It's, don't it's, do it. It's such a mess. Um, you know, most of the, the revisions aren't that great. But, uh, you know, there, there's many that are better than others. And so looking at that and understanding that, I think, could help people um, who are wanting to play many of these games for the first time and know which ones to look for. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm really looking forward to that series just so I can learn. That game series has has, has such an enormous impact on the video game landscape. And okay, I know it's available on PlayStation. There are some available on some Nintendo consoles. Yeah, it started on Nintendo consoles and then up to seven. And when they were making seven, you know, the 64 was just coming out. Um, it wasn't quite out yet when they were doing tests for it. And they made a demo, um, an internal demo of working with the hardware using Final Fantasy VI characters to see just how it would play, how it would look. And they just felt that the CD technology of the PlayStation 1 um, aided in telling the kind of story that they wanted to do. And so they've, they've largely been connected with the PlayStation brand since then, even though they, they've never really um, stuck with just PlayStation, um, you know, they they didn't have anything on on the 64 um but they had quite a bit on game boy advance and um and then ds and uh, 3ds and stuff like that they had um a lot of spin-offs on gamecube uh, the crystal chronicles um and now they're on everything um i think there's quite a bit on xbox one now and series x and all of that um so, yeah, they're, they're, they've not been pigeonholed in one console for quite a long time. Um, so it's something that I think anybody can um, at least get into a few of. I remember, speaking of uh, the pigeonhole thing, I remember, in speaking of Resident Evil, when for GameCube, Capcom had, I guess it was a limited amount of time that they were going to be releasing Resident Evil titles exclusively to GameCube. They were, um, and I'm doing a video in the near future. It's kind of related to that. Um, I don't know when it'll release, but I have some material for it. Um, Capcom had entered into an agreement with Nintendo after doing Resident Evil 1 Remake. Uh, Happy anniversary that... today, by the way, for the remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice plug. <laughs> and uh, um, so the remake came out and it did really well and so Capcom had agreed to do um, I think five exclusive games on Nintendo platforms one of them being Resident Evil 4 um, the rest of them uh, well long story short the deal didn't work Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, probably largely because GameCube didn't sell as great as, as they wanted. 
it's a wonderful system. It just didn't um, couldn't compete with the PlayStation Two because it was everywhere. Um, but those games were Beautiful Joe, which would come out on. It, it was exclusive for a little while. A uh, Killer Seven ended up being moved over to PlayStation Two as well. Um, a game called PNO Three. Um, and it was it was made by um, the director behind Devil May Cry and Bayonetta, um, and it's it's an okay game, um, but it's not quite what the the other two are. You know, mm-hmm. Devil May Cry and Bayonetta are top of of their genre, and PNO Three isn't. And um, there were two other games um, I cannot remember right now what one of them was. It didn't come out. There was no demo or anything of it, to my knowledge. Um, but the other one was a little game called Red Dead Revolver. Hmm. And it got about 80% finished. And Capcom ended up just getting rid of it. They they ended up selling it um, to Rockstar. And... Rockstar games, of course, would come out with Red Dead Redemption and Redemption 2. And from my knowledge, they bought Red Dead Revolver because they liked the name Red Dead. They had an idea for doing a Western for quite a quite some time, and um, they liked the name Red Dead. And they were like, we can use this at some point. The game's 80 90% finished. And so they bought the rights and brought in the original director and just let them finish it and released it. And, you know, the rest is history. Um, and that one, of course, stayed on PlayStation 2. Um, I think it went on Xbox as well. But that one didn't come out on Nintendo. Um, but that was the thing. Yeah, Capcom was really close with Nintendo. Um, that deal didn't work. Um but fortunately, you know, they still have a great working relationship. And, you know, I think, you know, Capcom, Capcom was in trouble there for a while, but they've rebounded to be, you know, a uh, uh, wrecking force in games again with uh, Resident Evil and uh, Street Fighter still going strong and Monster Hunter, I think, is, is their, that and Resident Evil are, you know, they're juggernauts now. That's, that's amazing. I love hearing a happy story because I I know people like to poo-poo on companies a lot, but we have to also remember for a lot of people, this is their livelihood. Oh, yeah. You have and to they're... think about that, too. I, I, yeah, be mad at maybe some of the higher-ups making decisions, but they're everyday people who are just trying to make a living. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's... I try not to, like... <laughs> discussions going on today about uh, cyberpunk and I try not to just you know if, if a game's disappointing if it doesn't do well you know I understand I try not to make, make it personal um, and get so angry that like I'm going to boycott a company or you know anything like that you know I, th- I think that's a lot of times it's it's a very knee-jerk reaction to things because you have to take into consideration 
you know, the hundreds of people working on it, sometimes thousands, uh, by the end of it, um, from the artists to the voiceover people and, and all of that. And, you know, things happen. And, um, yeah, you just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a industry where emotions can really run high. That's the competitive nature, I think, with gaming. If you're not competing online in, like, Call of Duty or something, you're still competing with the computer. And so you still get that, that, that rush that I think sports coaches get, you know, with their teams. It's the same kind of emotions. Um, you can get, be very passionate about this kind of stuff. And it's, it's hard, but I try not to make knee-jerk reactions about it. And, and, get, and I love learning and understanding the history of game companies and games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you read or watched Console Wars? I have. I have the, uh, the book over there, um, and I've watched, watched it on Netflix. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's, so when I was in getting my master's, my, originally my focus, my thesis was going to be on the video game crash, um, and, and trying to do something new with that. I found it hard to ask questions that hadn't already been asked on it. So I ended up not going that route. Um, now I can kind of, uh, I think I could do a little bit more with it. But um, at the time, you know, it was, it was, at the time they were just like digging up those ET games that were buried in the desert. And uh, if you don't know anything about that, go look it up. Um, you know, it's, it's a wild tale. They were about to do that. And so there were so many things about the video game crash coming out um, that that it felt like I can't do too much on it. So I ended up doing on um, pop culture history and um, American history or American pop culture in relation to the atom bomb. That's what I actually did, but um, yeah, you know, console war. There's a lot of great video game literature out there. Um, one I'm reading kind of right now is a book of essays, the state of play. Sony has stolen the name, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, it has a lot of, of great little essays um, in relation to video game um, culture. Um, and ask questions about women and games and and um, uh, minorities and games and avatars and how we look at our avatars and games. Um, quite a few others. There's a book called Replay um, and the Ultimate History of Video Games is probably the first one that most people see when looking up video game literature and and things like that um i'm looking at my uh bookshelf here um those are the the two uh, and then there was before the crash um was another good one it goes in through the um early video games on pcs and computers and then up to atari and coleco and um 
and all of those, the, the Odyssey, the Magnavox Odyssey, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, those are great ways to try to understand early gaming culture. Oh, thank you for those recommendations. Sure. I, have, I have quite a few on my list. Um, oh, a few years ago, and I, I want to reread it, I read The Legend of Zelda and Philosophy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a series that delves into, you, you probably know about it, it delves into different video games, movies, right. pop culture, and the philosophy behind a lot of them. Yeah, and, there, and there's a lot that can um, be pulled from that. You know, games are, they, they, they're very complex works of art. Um, even those that don't seem to have much of a story. Um, you know, in terms of RPGs, you know, Zelda usually doesn't have the deepest um, in-your-face story. You know, it's it's usually pretty uh, basic in terms of what what you need to do. But there's so much in, you know, just the world building. I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the cultures. And that's that's another reason why I really love Zelda is that you have to look a lot of times to find the deeper meanings and messages and the philosophy and the religion and you know all of that in the zelda games uh, but it's there if you mm -hmm. take the time to look um you know and, and i think I, I don't always do this but the zelda games are some that i really love reading fan opinions and watching fan videos of because there's so many great details that i never noticed playing mm -hmm. um and people with much more time on their hands than me can say this painting in this temple is is very similar to this painting in this town in this game which must mean this and it's wild it's a great journey there are some very observant people there there are uh, i i I, I usually feel like I'm observant. Um, I don't have that that kind of time on my hands. I wish I did. Um, but but yeah, that's that's incredible stuff. Well, why don't you tell us some more about your YouTube channel? I know you've kind of we've uh, teased a little bit about it, but what made you decide to make it? What's what's the meaning behind the name? What can people find on it? Sure. So I'll. I'll tackle this one at a time. So the channel's Blocks Gaming Reviews. And um, the name, so in college, my nickname was Blockbuster. It was something that I got my second day in college and undergrad. Um, we were in the dorm, and everybody on the floor was introducing themselves and telling a little bit about themselves. You know, hi, my name is John, and I'm from this town, and, you know, I'd like to do this. And so I introduced myself, and I said, just kind of throwing it out there, um, you know, that I have a few hundred games and movies in my room. And someone said, well, you're you're just like a little blockbuster. And Blockbuster <laughs> was not out of business at the time. It was still a thing. So today I would be like Netflix. Uh, <laughs> so almost immediately um, I came to be known that a lot of people forgot 
what my actual name was. They only knew me as Block Blockbuster, uh, things like that. Um, and people would come to the room. They would uh, there for two years. I rented out games and movies and charged because um, I had that many people coming and, and getting movies and. Um, you know, my collection of games and movies really skyrocketed at that time because I, I felt like I needed to um, live up to that kind of reputation. Um, I don't have like the great, I'm, I'm still pretty poor. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm doing okay, but I'm not rich. And so I don't have, you know, a billion games like some people. I'm so jealous of those people. I have uh, to know, could you trust people to return the games? Like, how did you prevent that? I would write down, um, you know, I, I went to a small college. Um, so at the most, we had like 2,000 people. Hmm. Um, so everyone kind of knew everyone in, in some way. Um, it was a small liberal arts college um, that, uh, you know, I, they would write it down and their phone number and... Now, when they they would pay me up front, you know, I want to keep it for a week, and you know they'd give me like five dollars or whatever, and that was it. And I, I did okay. Um, you know, I had a lot of people from other dorms that I had no idea who they were would stop me somewhere and say, "Hey, do you have Forrest Gump?" I'm like, "Yeah." If they want to buy, do you have Ico for PlayStation Two? Yeah, yeah, I do. And they they were they would rent it. And um, you know, I only had two movies, no games, but two movies that never got returned to me um, because they got kicked out or whatever. Um, one of them got kicked out. I don't know exactly what happened to the other one. I only had two movies go missing, and I probably rented out about three, four hundred across my whole day of games and movies um it, it got so popular um in a way on campus that um i'll make this short that we had some trustees on campus that wanted to meet with some students that their money was benefiting um so again small liberal arts college we had a lot of investors and the college that was helping certain students and so i went to dinner along with like six seven other students with a trustee that was giving money specifically to help students that came from the area in which i grew up and in the course of the dinner um the president of the college shows up and he's you know talking we all know him um, but he's introducing himself and everything. We're going around the table and I say my name and he's like, oh, you're Blockbuster. And that's how big, you know, that's how, uh, you know, that's how popular I think I had gotten on campus. What? Me, um, by that name. So, so that's where the name comes from. Um, and, and strangely, that wasn't the first thing that I really wanted to, it wasn't, a natural like oh i'm just going to use that name I, I tried to reinvent myself a few times and um on tumblr for about two years i had a, a page called the game yard 
which is really stupid sounding, but most of the good stuff was taken. <laughs> and, you know, and I was doing about the same thing. I wasn't doing videos, but I was writing articles and writing pieces and writing reviews and sharing music and memes and pictures and, and all of that stuff. And eventually, you know, I just, I went all in on going back to block. Um, I was working in kind of a dead-end retail job. Um, had nothing to do with my degree, um, wasn't enjoying it, and um, I wanted to find ways to um, contribute to the industry and to the um, and to the community. And you know, I'd been writing reviews on blogs for quite a while, um, but I wanted to do more and. You know, with my my film studies degree, I knew a lot about editing. I didn't have a whole lot of experience. And so, you know, one day I just said, OK, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to dedicate at least a year um, on a YouTube channel, um, regardless if it does well or not. That's what I'm going to do and just try it out. And so I spent money on getting a new computer and getting you know, streaming equipment and editing equipment and um, and coming up with some stuff and doing promotions and things like that. And, and it worked out and I really enjoyed it and, uh, and, and I'm still doing it. Uh, and I was a little overly ambitious when I started. Um, because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I don't like to pump out like a, a video a day. Uh -huh. I want it to be meaningful. Um, and my type of personality, I feel, this is just me, that, you know, I'm not great, I don't think, of doing something just like, you know, to bullshit uh -huh. or anything like that. You know, I want to write out you know, like the history and the review and make it meaningful and, and all of that. And so I've mostly kept to doing reviews and those kind of pieces, but I, I, I play about everything, despite all of the RPGs that I mentioned. You know, I really do play about everything. And it, and it didn't turn out this way. I didn't, or I didn't plan it to be this way. My first video was over the uh, blob on the Wii, a little platformer by Ubisoft. And um, it was going to be on Grand Theft Auto 4 and all of the downloadable content. And my PlayStation 3 ended up dying um, in the middle of me playing that game. And I had played it before, but not. <laughs> could not capture any more footage or anything i'm so sorry okay i got a new one <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was like oh no Jeez. like uh, you know that was the first like and it, it was before the first video even came out you know it was about a, about two months before i was going live with everything um and the blob had been sitting on um my backlog list for a while and i tried to uh, always be working on one game for my backlog um if i can 
And so I just did that and, you know, uh, it, it helped me create the Trash or Treasure series, which is looking at lesser known games or really well-known games that have fallen from grace. Um, I, like Cyberpunk, I think would fit into that. Um, you know, that it gets a bad reputation. But it's not universally hated. Um, and so looking at it and, and just say, is, the, is this worth playing today? You know, an honest review of, of a game. And so the Blob isn't very well known. I think if you mention it to, to a lot of people that are gaming enthusiasts, they would say, yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't think many people have played it. You know, some other games would be like Bound by Flame. Um, you know, it's one of those like, I, I might have heard of it, but I've never played it. You know, a lot of those games are like the free PlayStation Plus games, uh -huh. you know, so that aren't AAA titles. A lot of those kind of fit in that treasure, treasure category. Um, Agents of Mayhem is another that is pretty well known, but it has a, a, a pretty mediocre reputation. Um, and not many people played it, or at least all the way through. Um, so those kind of games, Treasure Treasure really focuses on. My next one is going to be on Star Fox Adventures uh, on the GameCube. It was the last Rareware title um, for Nintendo. And, um, you know, it's a game that it's a very well-known series from a very well-known company. Um, that not many people, I don't think, have played it, you know, and so it's perfect to fail for Treasure Treasure. Um, and then my RPG reviews, um, they're under the Role Players Realm um, as, as the series. I've kind of dropped that just to make it easier. They're just Role Player reviews, and it's, mm -hmm. it's reviewing a game as a RPG. Um, and what I mean by that is how well does it do um, stacked up with other RPG conventions? How's the battle system? How's the story? How's the presentation? How's the pacing? Um, and so I've, I've been able to use the series unintentionally um, to go back and explore many classic games that I did not um, have the chance to play or series that I haven't played all the way through. Um, so the Suikoden series on PlayStation One and Two, you know, I'm, I'm I've had the first two games of that reviewed. I'm working on the third one to come out sometime later this year. Uh, Fantasy Star is one of the most um, influential RPG series that most people haven't played. Um, you know, there were only four of the in the main series, um, you know, and it ended with the Sega Genesis. There were there were other like Fantasy Star Online and, and things like that. But, you know, a lot of people didn't play those. And so getting the chance to revisit um, and and play for the first time some games in that series um, and then looking at, um, you know, I try not to play um or review a play but try not to review and, and 
have on my channel too many of the really, really popular games because there's so many people that have talked about that. And in my thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a pretty small YouTuber, but most people, most people, um, you know, if they want to hear about a brand new game coming out or a classic gaming experience, they already have their guy for that. And I'm trying to become that guy, but I think I need to do that in other ways. I don't think many people are going to click on, like, what do I think of Final Fantasy VII? They might for eight or two um, lesser-known ones, but seven, everybody's talking about it um, and have been for 20 years. You know, Chrono Trigger, everybody knows about it, or Zelda or something. Uh, I think... You know, it's more beneficial to me and to my viewers to do these lesser known games. Um, the last two things that I, I, I've done kind of extensively on my channel is every October, um, I try to do some horror games. Last year, it didn't work out as well as I wanted um, because I was doing, um, I think I mentioned this to you, I was doing Doki Doki Literature Club. And, um, which is despite the name of horror game and the, it was going to be in two parts, uh, three, about two and a half hours each video. And it was more of a let's play. I don't have many of those, but it was going to be a let's play. Um, and the first one got taken down before I could get the second one going. And that just completely let the air out of, of of my sales and i didn't do any more for for a few weeks um but this this year i'm planning on having four horror games coming out um each week in october what? Uh, that'll be that'll be pretty fun i did that my first year um and did grab by the ghoulies which was rare's first game away from nintendo um blood omen um, first game of SoCal or So Caliber, uh, so the um, Legacy of Kane series, and um, uh, what were the other ones? I did um, uh, Seventh Guest, which was a classic um, PC point-and-click horror game. It's not scary by any means for 2021, but like '93. You know that you can get some chills from it, and then I did the suffering, which is a good action um, horror game. Um, and then I did some music videos on my channel. I tried to highlight some video game music. I'm really passionate about that, but they do not get views. I get like five views per video, and uh, yeah, I try. <laughs> I, I want to do more of those, but. That's more of trying to do what, not not so much what gets views, but what I think people want to see. Mm -hmm. And I get more engagement on the others. And I want I, I want to do something that's beneficial to everybody. And uh, yeah, I, I'll probably go back to that soon. But it, it's not something I do every day. Now you did write, speaking of music, you had a very beautiful, or have a very beautiful piece, I should say, on Boss Rush's website about video game music, right? Yeah, that was not 
my first, um, but it was one of the banter pieces on just what does video game music mean to you. And I was in band um, all through middle school and high school. I was assistant band director when I graduated high school. Um, and video game music was just, that was where I really came to love and appreciate music. I was, you know, the Zelda and Final Fantasy songs, you know, almost every soundtrack is incredible. Um, even, you know, Super Mario and Chrono Trigger had incredible, um, uh, music. And I try with every video review that I do to highlight the composers and the music. Um, it's something that I think is overlooked a lot of times in mm-hmm. games. It gets it, if you're not an enthusiast in video game music, it, a lot of times, go oh, yeah, I kind of like the music, but I try to highlight that. I try to let that have its place in each one of my videos. And uh, with the music videos that I would do or and have done is show a little bit of gameplay along with the music and try to have the gameplay from when that song might be playing, if I can. Um, because a lot of the the levels in games and the movement of games, it goes to the rhythm of the music. Or, should I say, the music goes to the rhythm of the game. Because the game gets made first, almost always. And, you know, Koji Kondo, who did the, the Zelda and mario music when he was doing the first mario game it was a different tempo and he kept changing it and kept replaying the game so he could have you know the bop 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 going with mario's jump and his movement and his speed so the player can it it becomes second nature that it's a very natural sound that goes along with the game and so it, 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 it's a great marriage between gameplay and, and the sounds. And great video game music, I think, does that. That it just becomes, you know, it, it, it becomes part of that world, um, part of that game. And you cannot, like, I, I cannot separate the Mario theme or the Zelda theme from the games. You know, they, they're integral to the experience. Can't imagine playing a video game without music. There's, there's been a lot of games, especially indie games, that have experimented with music in terms of of gameplay, and not I'm not talking about like like um, Guitar Hero or something, but like Crypt mm-hmm. of the Necro Dancer, you know, using music as a um, part of the gameplay. Um, it's something that I think still has a long ways to go um but it's something that i'm passionate about it's not something i'm going to abandon um you know i'm going to come back with some more gaming music videos at some point um there's a lot to be said there Mm -hmm. i I love that i love video game music so what would you say what game has your favorite soundtrack or is that hard to pick you know, a lot of the ones, and this, this is going to sound redundant, but a lot of my favorite games, part of why they're my favorite games is because of the music. You know, music really grabs me, and um, it really helps define the entire experience. 
Um, so Link to the Past has some fantastic um, music, the Overworld and the Dark World themes and the Lost Woods and Kekariko Village are all just timeless. Ocarina of Time and Wind Waker, I think, just top-notch soundtracks. Um, Akira Yamaoka, um, who did the Silent Hill games, um, nearly every single one of those that he's worked on is, is a masterpiece. Um, so if you're not familiar with the Rizum, or Rizum, Silent Hill soundtracks, go get Silent Hill 2 and listen to the music um, or do it on YouTube. Uh, Silent Hill 3 has some great, great songs as well. There's a lot of atmospheric um, and industrial sounding music, but there's also a lot of original songs that sound like something you might see on the, you might hear on the radio or something mm -hmm. um, with lyrics and a band and somehow they work. They shouldn't work, but they do. <laughs> they really do. Um, Chrono Trigger, I, I've mentioned this a few times. Um, it just the, the soundtrack's amazing. Um, it was the first game that really, really just like, wow, on all levels. That and Link to the Past. Earthbound, I don't think gets, um, gets enough recognition for just how um, amazing the music goes with the game. It's funky. It's different. Um, I, I love it. it it's, it's, um, and my, my first video on the blob, um, I did not expect to love the music as much as I do on that one. Um, but it has some great funk music. Um, a lot of jazz, uh, uh, upbeat jazz and, and, um, some blues in it as well. Um, both the Blob and the Blob Two have some really catchy, easy listening songs. Um, you know, I can go on forever. Uh, Nobu Uematsu, who did Final Fantasy um, one through most of ten, um, nine was the last one. I think he did all of the music for, um, especially like six seven eight nine incredible incredible music um so um and donkey kong country tropical freeze um with the return of david wise there's just so much um uh there's a lot of uniqueness and diversity in that soundtrack that you know i think again gets overlooked um by some people, especially those that didn't play the game. Um, a lot of people, I think, write it off. It's just like, okay, it's another platforming game. The music is great. Um, no, I, yeah, I could listen to the entire soundtrack on repeat forever. Oh, I love that. You said Earthbound. Sometimes I just listen to some of the songs from it just in the background. Yeah. I'm working. I really love, oh gosh, it's the one with the dinosaurs. I cannot think of the world with the dinosaurs where you're tiny. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great, that. yeah. Oh. That, that, that game's a trip. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful trip. Um, and the music helps take you there, you know, mm -hmm. finding a hippie and listening to, um, you know, some, uh, uh, Chuck Berry type of, of rendition. Um, they'll probably get yeah they, they they probably should have been sued for that because it's, it's 
that's ripped straight from. I was like, oh, Johnny B. Goods. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's why Mother 3, or the, the second, or the third in the Earthbound mm-hmm. series, I think that's really why it hasn't come to the, to the West, is that there's so much music in that game that is very, very, very similar to copyrighted music. And um, they can't change it easily. I don't know if you've played it. Um, I have. I, I do have a translated version of it. Yeah. That, um, you know, the combat goes with the music, that you're hitting the button to the beat of the music to deal extra damage. Mm-hmm. And so they would have to rewrite all of these songs. Mm. Um, and it's just not very possible. It, it's it's very, very hard to do. And, um, yeah, and you would have to do that for the whole game. And there's just so many of those that sound... In the East, they don't, they're not going to, but American copyright laws, I think. I, I feel certain that that's the main reason it's not coming or hasn't come to the West in an official form. Speaking of other three, did you see Terry Crews tweeted um, that he wants it? I didn't, but it doesn't surprise me. He's a, he's a, a he's a strange individual that, that, somehow creeps up into every fandom you can imagine localized mother three that's what he said which kind of blows my mind yeah he's been in gaming for quite a while he's a big nerd he's he he cracks me up he's he's that's just cool it's just i like seeing celebrities share their passions like that you know and it makes me feel a little bit more human i don't i'm not someone who get starry-eyed about celebrities mm-hmm. because I think, okay, they're just people. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're, they're human beings, but it is cool whenever they, I don't want to say that they drop the facade, but like they, they seem a little bit more like, Hey, I, I, I like some of the same things you guys do. You know? Yeah. Well, they become very approachable. Um, uh, Wayne Brady from Who's Line and, um, doing let's make a deal um is really into nerdy stuff as well and i really like when he especially on let's make a deal someone's wearing something kind of nerdy and he's like oh i can't say what you are but you're fallout guy and someone that's the vault boy or you're um italian plumber man you know you can't say mario or or something like that I, I, i get a kick out of that and um, you know, he, he talks about Dungeons and Dragons and comics and stuff on his social media a lot. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's great to see the facade break down. Um, Brie Larson does that quite yeah. a bit too. Um, and so. I think, uh, it was a please forgive me if I'm mispronouncing his name. He's um, a rapper, Nas X, Nas X. That, that's that's how I pronounce it. I don't know. Do, do I look like the person that would know how to? Pronounce I don't it? know. You, you you know about the stuff about pop culture. You're my yeah. you're my guy for that. I need help with that. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but I believe uh, he's a big gamer. As well. He is. Um, uh, from what I know, um, I'm I'm the whitest guy out there. So it was hard. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, he teamed up with Billy Ray Cyrus. Come on. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> but it's all right. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. As far as I know, from what I've seen, he uh, and I think a lot of people from that, um, especially that younger generation, the, the I'm gonna say younger, but you know, under thirty, um, grew up with gaming, and so it's going to become very much more of the norm. Um, you know, um, you know, uh, Ariel, um, Ariana Grande loves Final Fantasy. She's been wow. in the the mobile um, Final Fantasy. They like had a version of her in one of the games. She wanted to be like one of the characters in Final Fantasy fifteen. Um, I think they did something with her for fifteen at some point, like some kind of promotion. But you now she's really big into it. Um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez um, does a lot of gaming stuff and talks yeah. about gaming. So we're going to get to where politicians and um, you know those kind of people, um, the 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 serious uh, grown up job type of people, mm-hmm. are going to be gamers that grew up playing games and probably still play some games. And, you know, eventually the stigma of gamers being nerds and stuff like that's going to to go away. And then we'll get to pick on other people. <laughs> uh, oh, these stamp collectors, oh, those nerds. Oh, gosh, what there? Oh, gosh, what is that? There's a name. There's a formal name for stamp collecting. Philatelist. Well, I want to know what. It's, um, you know how I know this because of the Golden Girls. Because... I love the Golden Girls. I'm watching the Golden Girls right now on Hulu. Not, I mean, not right now, but... At this it. moment, this whole interview. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching it in the corner. I'm watching Sophia um, back talk everybody. I, I, I love the Golden Girls. It's, uh, I love it. It's, you know, I've watched it all the way through a few times, but I'm watching it again after, like, it, taking a year hiatus from it. I highly recommend Out on the Lanai. Yeah. I I heard about that. I think you told me about it. Okay. um, It's a philatelist is someone who collects stamps. Is that Rose? No, it's Blanche is talking to someone she's dating who is, he's portrayed as kind of a dweeb, you know, kind of. Not he's kind of a what is it a, a wet napkin wet blanket what's that term? Wet I don't know. I don't know. Something <laughs> like, I think wet blanket. Wet yeah. blanket. He's not. He doesn't seem very interesting. And he's like, well, I like to collect stamps. And she's like, and when I saw you, I thought philatelist. <laughs> well, she she is very attentive to people's tongues, so she would she would recognize someone who's a stamp collector. <laughs> amazing well well block what are some of the future plans for your show you've mentioned of course for october you want to do some horror games is there anything else you'd like to share so let me bring it up just so i don't forget anything it'll take me just a second here um i do have quite a bit that I've posted on my channel um, of what I'm wanting to get into. Um, so, so I'm 
we mentioned the horror games. Some of those that I'm wanting to do are going to be the first Clock Tower game on the Super Nintendo. A Super Nintendo horror game, believe that. Um, the Xbox game State of Decay, um, I'm going to probably do. Um, I'm wanting to do Eternal Darkness on GameCube. It was one of my favorite games on GameCube, um, and I think it's time for me to, to do that. Um, and then Coldeca um, on PlayStation 1. It's a horror RPG, um, the spiritual prequel to the Shadow Hearts games on PlayStation 2. Those were a little bit more well-known, but it, it kind of blends the... Um, the resident evil trapped in a house uh like a haunted house type of mm-hmm. trope with rpg combat um and then another one that I, i'm probably going to do maybe not for halloween but catherine okay. um it really is that borderline type of horror game um you might not think it looking at it at first but it falls into that genre especially psychological horror um, I'm wanting to, so I've done Blood Omen uh, and Soul Reaver, two games in the Legacy of Kane series. I'm wanting to do the other three, Blood Omen 2, Soul Reaver 2, and Defiance, um, and hopefully have that out this year. Um, and then I have two Zelda games. I think that you uh, have mentioned to me that you wanted to see this, and that was Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never played all the way through on either one of those, and... Um, I've never played Spirit Tracks at all. Um, Phantom Hourglass is a different game because it's almost all stylus. Mm-hmm. And um, I've gotten to where I can record those because um, I, I bought them on Wii U and I can record from my Wii U pretty easily. Um, and so I'll be able to do those. When, when they're only on the DS, it's really hard to uh, record and review handheld games. Um, my next video is coming up. Um, I'm doing um, uh, uh, Star Fox Adventures is just about done, um, and Octopath Traveler um, will be the actual next video. Hopefully on Monday, Octopath Traveler will be out. Um, and some others to look forward to this year have Watch Dogs. Um, as a treasure treasure it was a huge release that was heavily criticized um another newer game is death stranding is very divisive i've not played it and so i'm going to play it and i'm going to weigh in on it i figured treasure treasure is a great place for it um the conduit 2 on wii it's a i've reviewed the first one i'm going to do the second one um, Star Tropics 2, Zoda's Revenge. I've done the first one, might as well do the second. Um, and then some role-playing games this year. I'm going to do Fantasy Star 2, Suikoden 3. I had Paper Mario listed, but I think I'm going to do Super Mario RPG, um, just because that's kind of the first Mario RPG kind of game. And then I'll do Paper Mario at a, at a later time. And then a few others. Um you know, it's a very tentative schedule that I have. But, but if you go onto my page, I think it's the it's my pinned tweet. It has my um, the games that I plan to do for 2021. Um, I'm a little behind 
because I had a month where my computer was out of commission. Um, this past month, I only got it back up and running about a week and a half ago. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a bit behind, but I'm working hard to get about three more videos for next month and then probably three each month until the end of the year, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Well, where, where can people find you? Um, Any, anywhere. Yeah, so I, um, YouTube is the first place, my YouTube channel, and it's, it's named, so it's easy to go to, it's YouTube, um, Blocks Gaming Reviews, um, so if you put that in, you should be able to find me, um, it's that YouTube, um, uh, backslash U, backslash Blocks Gaming Reviews, um, uh, and I'm, I'm more active on Twitter than I am on Facebook, but I'm on both of those. I usually share the same stuff on either one. So you just, you on Facebook, it's Blocks Gaming Reviews. I don't have enough uh, letters to do that on Twitter. So it's Blocks Game RVWS, Reviews Without the Vowels. Um, so still easy to remember. Um, if people want to support me, you know, the main thing if people want to support me is just following me on on youtube and sharing my my information um sharing my my tweets or when my videos come out um you can also find me on boss rush of course uh try to have a piece um either a review or an editorial um and a banter each week um one of those, um, if not two, um, along with, with several news pieces. Um, You're killing I'm, it. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, especially when my computer was up and running, I was doing <laughs> probably about five to ten news pieces a week. Uh, so hopefully I'm going to get back to that, um, along with a review and a banter and, and all of that. Um, but I'm hoping um, to get back on that. And if I'm not at the point where I get many um, uh, donations or anything like that, but you can go to my Patreon um, if you really enjoy what I do. It really helps, um, but by no means is it necessary. Um, all I ask on there is a dollar um, a month to have your name listed in the credits and to get 24 access, um, advanced access to any of my videos. And, um, you know, all of that goes to helping the channel. Um, I'm a single dad, or not single dad, I'm a stay-at-home dad. Um, and so I don't have an income. Um, I rely on my wife for that um, while I stay home and take care of the kids. So, you know, any of that is helpful but by no means is it is it required or anything like that. You know, the main thing is, you know, just following me and, and watching my videos. And and um, I really enjoy the, the communication and banter back and forth with people and then just sharing and enjoying and loving this hobby. Oh, thank you so much for your time this evening. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh no, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I'm a little sleepy now. 
<laughs> no, I kept, you're an hour ahead of me. But so, so I do thank you for taking time to do this 1v1, let people get to know you a little better. And it's, it's always a pleasure getting to talk to you, Block, and interacting with you with Boss Rush. It's been a joy. It's, it's been a wonderful experience being part of, of Boss Rush. And, you know, I, I don't know if you can tell. I'm, I'm a pretty dry person. Um, I'm not the most sociable of people. I tried streaming there for a good while. Um, you can find me on Twitch, but I haven't streamed in almost a year now. Um, I just, uh, I never got fully comfortable with it. I'm, I'm a pretty dry sense of humor person. And so just me personally, I felt like my, my sense of humor and, and, and things work better elsewhere. I'm probably wrong on that. But, <laughs> um, but being part of team boss rush and and communicating on twitter and social media and through the website and through youtube has been an immense joy um just communicating and connecting with people in the hobby there's millions of us out there and um, it makes it so much uh, a much better place when you can have discussions and learn and, and enjoy things from people and not, you know, fighting over little things, you know. A lot of people get that, that impression that gamers are angry and, um, you know, that kind of, you know, you've been in chat rooms, you've been in, um, you've played multiplayer games and listened to people scream at you for killing them or something. Um, it's good to get the other side of that and, and, and the good things and share the good things and yeah I, I love it thank you again so much block it's been a, a joy and everyone thank you for listening please follow boss rush games on twitter on youtube you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts i'm celeste and i'm fairy crypt on twitter and instagram and until next time we'll see you all later bye guys bye